0: U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, and he's back with some uh, content from Madison, Wisconsin. We're looking forward to doing another one of these pods where we talk about. AJ's work in written word and uh, looking back at a, a pre- previous year's draft. It's been the focus of our attention the last couple of weeks. We've got a couple more weeks to run in this format and then we'll be looking for some other uh, course of action to keep you entertained during this uh, strange period in our wonderful world. So uh, AJ, how are things at your end of the, uh, of the network right now?
0: You know, it's a little bit of uh, same stuff. I'll clean it up for uh, for our listeners. Same stuff, different day uh, around here. You know, it, it gets a, a little bit tedious in, in some ways, but you know, Tuesdays are, are one of the highlights. I get to see your shining face and uh, talk a little hockey. So you know, it's never uh, never too bad. Um, you know, but I will uh, throw out my reminder there real quick if anybody has. No questions about the article the series that i've been doing if you have questions about your keepers for next year um just general hockey thoughts or, or ideas for for a future show uh we welcome you to, to tweet at us and we'll answer those questions and and interact with you there uh, as paul said you can follow me at aj scholes 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22
1: All right, partner, off the top of the show, we're hearing a lot of stories coming out of the NHL front offices. They're talking about a 24-team playoff and heading straight to the playoff after a couple of exhibition games if we ever get out of this pandemic situation. They're talking about going to North Dakota to sequester all the teams and so on. And uh, it just looks like they're grasping at straws to keep things in the possible field the realm of possibility we don't know how that's going to work out but one of the things that there's really some traction on is the whole notion of the salary cap and that is that it might not move aj we're expecting it to move up about 4 million dollars now with with the pandemic it's caused revenues obviously to decline over projections uh, under projections we'll say and uh, so they're looking at an alternative that i find kind of intriguing and that is to give each team a mulligan in terms of the salary cap and buy out a contract with no implications. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun and take a look at our favorite clubs and see which player we might take off that roster and uh, what the implications might be to the rest of the roster. I'd give you first crack, take a look at the Penguins roster on on capfriendly.com and you tell me which questionable contract... Would you see like to see come off the books?
0: Well, for me, Paul, this is pretty much a layup, and uh, I, I think our listeners uh, might be surprised at at who I pick, especially if we have any Penguins fans out there, because it's not Jack Johnson. Look, at the end of the day, I don't think Jack Johnson's been that bad this last season. Um, he's starting to, you know, really play better. Is he a amazing player? Is he an elite defender? No. But is he a solid blue liner that I think it's worth $3.25 million? Absolutely. So it's actually not Jack Johnson. It's going to be Nick Bukestad. We're basically paying him $4.1 million to sit on LTIR anyway. Um, so just, yes, you can work with LTIR and get the savings that way. But for me, let's just get rid of that contract. There's just one more year remaining on it. Um, so the buyout wouldn't be that, you know, financially speaking i know we're talking it wouldn't hurt the cap but you know teams still have to consider the bottom line economics of of a buyout in in that situation and so just go out buy out that contract um and let nick bukestad find a new home because it really hasn't worked well in pittsburgh paul what uh what about you for your club
1: you know what it's a little more difficult in the leaf circumstance aj and uh you know you can look at some of the contracts that were recently signed Jake Muzzin signed a long-term extension of 5.6 million that's a little bit high in my estimation but till I look at some of the numbers behind that and see this guy's still one of a handful of players that leads uh, the league in terms of blocks and hits and that's uh, an element of the game that I value on a team that really is one of the softer ones so I don't I don't like the notion of getting rid of that contract, though it's a little bit on the high side. I'm looking a little bit further down the list in terms of the money situation, and I'm thinking about a guy like Andreas Johnson. And I'll say this only because he's got the four-year, uh, three-year term remaining on a deal that's got a $3.4 million cap, hit. not too onerous, but the Leafs have so many players of that ilk. And I'd like to see the money distributed more in terms of the defense portion of this team. But uh, really what I'm telling our listeners, if you read between the lines, though, is that for me, I don't see a really bad contract on the Maple Leaf situation that, you know, if they, like if they jettison, if you look at the high end, AJ, you've got Austin Matthews at $11 million, Mitch Marner at $10 million, Willie Nylander at 6.9. would I like to see them on the books for less? Yeah, but I think if you go on the open market, these guys are going to fetch similar money to what they're getting from the Maple Leafs club, uh, I, I think with maybe a minor tweak here or there. So I'm looking a little bit further down the list and, and saying, saying Andreas Johnson. So uh, it's just a sample. These are just a sample of what the league may face, what the various teams may face in terms of this this possible situation. Certainly there are other teams where there's lots of layups, but there are other teams where they've done a good job and it's a little more difficult. So something of a projection down the road, uh, Take a look at your favorite teams, folks, and let us know what you might do. Uh, Tweet us your stories about your favorite teams and the players they may jettison in that scenario. And also, while I'm at it, we look for suggestions all the time for our content, and I'd love to hear what our listeners have to say in terms of what they might like us to focus on down the road. So uh, with that, why don't you take us to part three of your series of the Seattle Expansion
0: yeah absolutely so uh for anybody that's maybe just tuning in for the first time in a couple of weeks we've been going through uh, my article series on com, breaking down the seattle expansion mock draft and we've i've been going division by division uh and you know saying which players i think each team will protect um you know i've been using the seattle expansion draft simulator courtesy of our friends at uh, com, and so uh, you know, today we'll break down last week's article, which is uh, the Metropolitan Division. Uh, you can catch up on the Central and the Pacific as well. And then later today on Rotowire, uh, a free article. You don't have to have a paid subscription to check it out. Uh, the uh, Atlantic, the last of the protected series, will drop later today on the site. Uh, and then the real shooting begins. I'll start diving into what a team could look like. And there's so many ways to go and so many options that I expect uh, I will struggle with a lot of those decisions but we'll focus on the metropolitan here and uh we'll start with the carolina hurricanes uh first up as far as no movement clauses here you're looking at jordan stall is the only one for for the hurricanes that'll have a no movement clause at that point um and so the cap hit here isn't outrageous but again stall i just don't see him as a a um first line center like they've been using him he didn't reach the 30 point threshold this year uh, and so you could make an argument that some of his you know his prime years are behind him i would not be surprised uh, if they asked him to waive no movement clause however i I will say i I definitely think without that there's a good chance he would be exposed in terms of the net mining situation i think we've seen what james reimer can offer he's a career backup and so your protected player here is going to be peter morazic i think that's pretty straightforward and in you know for me Yes, they didn't lock him up to a long term deal, but I would expect some point in the next league year, they'll sign him to an extension rather than letting him hit the free agent market Uh, on the blue line. Again, not too many difficult decisions um, for this club, fortunately. You have to obviously protect a player like Dougie Hamilton, uh, Jacob Slavin, and Brady Skay, who they just brought in and traded for. Um, These guys are all relatively, for top four defensemen, relatively cost-effective in the mid-$5 million mark, and they're all 26 or younger, so really a a strong group um, here. Uh, I know Paul would obviously keep his buddy Jake Gardner, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I just don't see that uh, being a fit here. Uh, and then in terms of forward uh, compliments, I mentioned Stahl. The other kind of, like, lock guys, right? Sebastian Ajo, uh, Tara Veynen, Vinny Trocek, uh, those guys are all for sure locks uh, for this, as as well as Andre Sveshnikov. I think your questions start to come up in your Ryan Zingle You're Warren Fogle and you keep those guys over, you know, some uh, there's other veterans. You know, it's kind of for me, it's Zingle or Niederreiter. And then I think you keep Fogle. But is it him or Geeky or uh, Melanin? Uh, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Hopefully Paul can correct me. But I think, you know, you have two spots left. You go one veteran, one young guy. Obviously, they could switch that up and a lot can change based on next season. But that's how I break down. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes group Paul uh, what do you see that I got right or wrong here in in this uh, in this team
1: well at first blush AJ I agree with you on the goaltending situation Peter Mrazek is a layup a year from now Reimer will be 33 years old Mrazek will be 29 I, I think they're you know their stats are very comparable but Mrazek emerged as the number one of the two of them this year and if he did this year he'll do it again next year and he's four years younger so that's an easy call there I'm kind of thinking they might really entertain a look at a 4-4 situation with the forwards and defensemen. I, I might suggest that rather than going seven deep among the forwards, they may look to lock up Brett Pesci in addition to the three players that you named. Pesci, Pesci's got a very team-friendly cap hit of four million bucks. If he was exposed, I think he'd be one of the first picks that Seattle does make and it's not to say it, uh, that you laid out a bad seven forwards they do have some quality up front uh, I I think though it's a bit of a stretch to include a guy like a Ryan Zingle in the mix because he really didn't find his his groove in Carolina this past year and was almost a third line player some of the time there you certainly highlighted five players that have to be considered part of the mix and that's where the difficulty comes for me so I might say revise revise year seven and say I'll take a shot at four, including Stahl, Aho, Terevanen, and possibly Zvet- and Zvechnikov, and I'd leave the rest of them exposed. That means that a guy like Trocek would be a very attractive option in Seattle. But I really do think that that uh, the Carolina Hurricanes core of this team is a great four-pack on defense, and so they may sacrifice a couple of forwards to keep that four-pack intact this obviously smells like a situation where we could see a trade like vegas did to protect a few uh, few teams from losing key pieces and they got some good picks in exchange for that so this is a prime example where seattle could go fishing for a nice deal
0: yeah i mean i definitely agree uh you know pesci may makes a, a strong case in in terms of that blue line the the problem for me with leaving uh trocek exposed is they gave up you know four players yeah a couple, of, you know, Eric Halla is a, a solid NHLer, but from there it's, you know, kind of a fringe guy in Walmart and a, and a couple of uh, up and coming prospects. So, But it's still, you still gave up four players to bring in Trocek. Um, I, th- I honestly think, Paul, uh, to follow up, it's, it's not a terrible idea. I think the only way, in my opinion, that this team would be able to stomach going 4 4 is if they convinced uh, Eric Stahl to, or Jordan Stahl rather, to waive that no movement clause. And then, um, you know, you let stall walk there and instead, and then certainly a case could be made, made from there. And, you know, I've seen rumblings that, uh, you know, maybe the, the stall brothers all wind up in Seattle together, all three of them playing <laughs> together. So it, it would certainly be interesting, um, you know, to see what happened there. We'll move on to the Columbus blue jackets. Now, no players here, uh, on the, on the no-movement clause list. So uh, we'll start in Nets, and, and again, I think it's a pretty straightforward one. It's Jonas Corposalo, and I think part of the reason it's so straightforward is that Elvis Mirza-Lincolns is exempt from the draft because he doesn't have enough professional years of hockey. So they get to keep their presumptive number one. They get to keep the, the ba- up-and-coming backup that's really been pushing um you know, pushing Corposalo and had performed really well when Corposalo was injured, so they don't lose anything here. Um, you know, they they have another youngster in uh, Kivilenkus. Uh, I believe I said that wrong, probably as well. Um, but you know, I don't see him having enough of a resume to warrant Seattle taking him uh, on the blue line here. I'm going to go three guys here as well, and it's going to be Seth Jones and Zach Werenski as the obvious picks. And then I like Gavri- Gavrikov uh, as the number three. I think the reason I give him the edge over a guy like Ryan Murray is Murray has just been too banged up too often, um, and the cap hit uh, between these two is pretty disparate. You know, Gavrov makes less than a million. Now he will be entering his RFA deal this summer, so I would expect him to get a raise, but it'll probably still be less than the $4.6 million that Ryan Murray is going to pull in. In terms of the forward complement, I am going to make a a last-minute change. Hopefully, this doesn't throw you off uh, uh, too bad here, Paul. But um, what I have from the start here in my article is I have Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, Gustav Nyquist, Alex Wenberg, Boone Jenner, Albert Bjorkstrand, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, And so for me, I think... um, I actually looking at this i i kind of confused this in the article and i'm gonna have to go make a change here so i originally had uh if you read the article i i favored dubinsky here in in terms of the forward compliment but i didn't list him above in in the guys i keep and i think with yesterday's news that his wrist injury that kept him out for the entire year um is a chronic issue i don't see a way that you can keep dubinsky uh over a guy like nick folino in in that sense and i I do still think if they were both fully healthy, fully fit, I would favor Dubinsky. I think he's got the higher upside um, than him, but I, I really just that wrist injury concerns me and I don't see Seattle taking him either there. So um, to kind of clarify all that, what I have is Cam Atkinson, Nick Felino, Gustav Nyquist, Alex uh, Wenberg, Boone Jenner, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, the guy, a couple names being left out in addition to Dubinsky are Riley Nash, Devin Shore, Josh Anderson, but I think you've got enough complimentary guys uh, to really make a case there.
1: Yeah, I think forward is where the uh, Seattle team is going to keep their focus. In terms of the name that you struggled with in the Nets, it was Matthias Kivlenics, Uh, Latvian origin Uh, they've produced a a number of goalies from that that part of the world in in recent years so no surprise that he is in the mix here as an up-and-comer but uh, I think you make the right pick with Corpusalo, and recognizing that uh, the youngster Merz Likens is exempt from things is is something that our listeners really have to keep an eye on. And Cap uh, Cap Friendly does a great job of of highlighting the exemptions. Emil Benstrom is another one on this list. And Alexander Texier in terms of people that will threaten for, let's say, top nine roles here among the forwards. But let's go to the players that you talked about on the blue line. I agree with you, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, no brainers. Defensemen, gavrikov you mentioned an up. he had a very nice year this past year and he's going to need a raise over the 925 grand that he earned Uh, he'll be an rfa now and uh, i i think they got to lock him up as a key part of their top four exposing uh, the likes of gabriel carlson uh, Scott Harrington, M- Marcus Nudevara, David Savard, Ryan Murray is the one that that probably will be the most interesting if T- Seattle was focusing on the defensive side of the puck in terms of the forwards. You did make a good call there to leave Dubinsky off the list. he would be thirty four when uh, when this expansion draft takes place, and there 's a lot of younger options here and elsewhere, to take a look at in terms of people that you might uh, build around. The other forwards you mentioned, Fellino, the heart and soul of this team, 33 years old. He's not going anywhere, I don't think. Uh, Wenberg, a uh, lock to be a top six guy. Boone Jenner also. Bjorkstrand as well. And du- Lu- Luke, Pierre-Luc Dubois. The, the options then remain, as you suggested, among the forwards. Primarily, Josh Anderson, for me, would be the, the best option that would not be protected here and at 26 years of age uh, and he already he has already has a couple of great years under his belt in the nhl as a scorer he could be a guy that would be a lock for his top six role in seattle but i don't think that uh, columbus would would uh, worry too much about that because they have a lot of younger options and good picks, picks among the seven forwards that you highlighted
0: all right so then we'll dive into the the new jersey devils here and um so this The one thing I'll say about the devil situation is Boyd, Would this look different if you had done this exercise a year ago before they traded away guys like Blake Coleman, Taylor hall, Wayne Simmons. So really um, it's a different looking group of, of guys that you have to take a look at between the nets. uh, I, you know, I think it's obviously Mackenzie Blackwood. I I don't know who else they would really choose. Um, They've already tried to bury Corey Schneider in the minors. He might qualify for their choice of, um, you know, free contract that they could dump without having to worry about uh, the cap implications there, although there is another contender on this team I'll get to in just a second. <laughs> on the blue line here, uh, my guys that I would protect are Damon Severson, Will Butcher, and Connor Carrick. And then, of course, that guy that I mentioned, P.K. Subban, it just has not worked out there. And I th- ultimately, I think this was a big part of why uh, the club uh, fired general manager Ray Shiro. They're not going to find an easy trade partner for P.K. Subban's $9 million cap hit. And that's why they would obviously consider uh, shedding that. And I think it's why they were forced into trading away Sammy Votnin and Andy Green at the deadline instead. So uh, I think this would be a leave them exposed, cross their fingers. And honestly, this might be a situation where they'd be willing to trade something to Seattle to take P.K. Subban uh, off the books here for them. In terms of the forward complement here, uh, it's relatively straightforward off the top. Travis Sajak, Kyle Palmieri, Miles Wood, uh, Pavel Zaka, I think are all clear, uh, you know, locks here. Uh, I also like Joey Anderson, Nico Heischer, obviously, and then Jasper Bratt, um, who's, you know, he's gonna come out, uh, head into an RFA year and cost them a pretty decent uptick. What benefits them here is Nikita Gusev and Jack Hughes are both exempt, so they can go deeper into the forward group here. Um, And so I think they're really in a good position. Um, I would imagine, if I'm looking at this list as Seattle, I probably would take P.K. Subban anyway, in the hopes that he could return to the player he's been in the past. Um, But certainly they could try and dump that salary by making a trade here. Paul, what say you about the Devils?
1: Yeah, the goaltending situation is a no-brainer. Mackenzie Blackwood is the guy. I want you to think about something else with PK Subban. Maybe they make a deal with Seattle, Seattle and say we'll retain some of that salary. That might be another thing that makes Subban a little more attractive than he luck- looked last season. In the last couple of years, his game has really dropped off. But if you could get him and only pay like five or six million for the duration of the deal, which expires at the end of the 21-22 season. A lot more palatable in my estimation and you don't you never know what sort of assets that they'll be able to extricate in terms of draft compensation or prospect compensation to to uh, bring Subban in and get him off the books in in new jersey Uh, i think the the picks that you make on defense are sound severson to me i like this guy's game offensive game for a long time but he had a terrible season defensively last year and uh, so really they have their power play specialist but boy I'd be hesitant to include him among my top four skaters in terms of ice time on the back end the way he performed last season still he's the best of a bad lot here Will Butcher uh, was hyped as, as one of the top college players a couple of seasons ago and really not lived up to that level I will say but still serviceable defenseman here Connor Carrick I got to see him in Toronto as a third pairing defenseman he slots in more or less the same way uh, on this roster for me so that means they've got a lot of building to do here and they can ill afford to lose any of those three guys and after that the pecking order is really slim in terms of defenseman options nothing uh, jumps out at me in terms of players other players that they would consider um, among the forwards, I think you got it right, AJ, in terms of the ones that you've protected. I would suggest that maybe Yanni Kukkonen quokanen is a guy that might generate some interest in seattle a young 21 year old maybe 22 coming off an rfa deal there and a guy that they've given some top six minutes to in jersey i think there's some offensive upside that's been untested here so far so he's the only one that i might be concerned as a jersey fan that they might lose off this list beyond the seven players that you've protected so i think it's a pretty easy decision here but boy would they love to jettison that that suban contract
0: yeah absolutely um so then we'll take uh we'll take a look at the first new york club we'll start with the islanders here now um we have to take the uh you know what we have in terms of signed contracts players in the league right now and so in that case given that perspective Simeon varlamov is the netminder that you protect here thomas grice is another guy who's a solid career backup um, and certainly a player that, you know, maybe Seattle would look at in, in terms of, you know, getting a, a, a backup in here. But having said that, uh, the big wild card is obviously Ilya Sorokin uh, and whether or not he signs uh, with, the, with the team heading into next season. The question mark is how they classify his eight-year KHL career. And I believe that based on the rules of professional seasons it does not say NHL seasons it says professional seasons I believe that Sorokin will be required to be exposed in the draft if he signs with the Islanders ahead of uh, next season and that will kind of be the determining factor if he comes over from the KHL puts up even halfway decent numbers uh, I think they protect him and, and Varlamov is exposed but if he struggles at all then maybe that's a different decision but for now based on players currently signed by the Islanders We'll go with Simeon Barlamov uh, in the Nets. On the blue line, uh, I look to Ryan Pollock, Nick Letty, and Adam Pellett. Uh, I think the, the biggest kind of question mark is Devin Tays versus Adam Pellich. The thing for me, the reason I'm favoring the shutdown defender in this situation, just look at what the Islanders did once Pellich got hurt. I mean, this team completely fell apart here. I love Devin Taves. I really think he could be a, a strong contender for the, the guy that gets picked. Um, you know, you're leaving exposed guys like Johnny Boychuk and Andy Green, but both of them are going to be are already in their late 30s and are going to have another year against them heading into into that season. So uh, for me, I, I go with the slightly younger guys, and then I'm going to favor that shutdown defender over Devin Taves here, um, unfortunately, for, for the Islanders. In terms of the forward complement, uh, this is a group that I I found you know little to no struggle in, in picking um, who to keep here. I mean it's Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Jordan Eberly, Josh Barely, uh, Jean Gabriel Pagot, Anthony Bolivier, and Matthew Barzell. I just think there's no real other guys um, that have shown enough. You know there's a couple grinders on this team who you love to have, but you're certainly not going to risk you know, protect them over some of these skill guys that they have. So uh, for me, the forward compliment was pretty straightforward. Paul, is there anybody from there that, uh, you know, from the Islanders forward group that gets into this mix? Or do you think these seven guys are all, pretty much locks.
1: Yeah well let me begin by looking at the guys you didn't include and and we can quickly write them off together and say Andrew Ladd at 35 years of age he's been a bust for a few years now and that's a big contract that's going to be on the books for a couple more years so that's a big no for me. Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Sezekis certainly they're two-thirds of one of the best bottom bottom six lines in the entire league when you talk about physicality and checking you don't get a lot of scoring out of those guys so at their contracts uh i think they're enough that in the mid threes that uh, seattle wouldn't even pick those guys but i don't think they need to be core guys that that uh, the islanders protect leo komarov may fit into the same full as a 33 34 year old at the time and matt martin another bottom six type more of a truculent type as well is a guy who is uh, coming into his age 31 season. Derek Broussard might be the most talented player that you've left off the list, but he's been such a frustrating guy uh, to get, throughout most of his career. There's been a lot of expectation for better scoring, consistency out of him, and certainly he's left people wanting in terms of the defensive side of the puck and responsibility. Joshua Hosang has driven people nuts for for the six years, he's been a pro as well, AJ, and a fris- frustrating trail of, of disappointments uh, have, has tracked his career uh, since he graduated from junior the junior ranks. He'll be a 25-year-old guy next year, and uh, I, I really don't think that Seattle wants to take on a project like that. Thomas Kuhnhackle has had his moments. He'd be a 29-year-old guy and an inexpensive type that maybe would be a good fit on the bottom six for or the expansion roster but I, I and Michael Delcali is another guy maybe uh, he's a nicer version of Joshua Hosang but equally frustrating in that he was a top draft pick who hasn't really panned out at the NHL level and uh, I'm, I'm saddened to pan him a little bit because I have a bit of a connection to him
0: well let's just be clear that's two-time Stanley Cup champion Tom Kunako that uh, that we're leaving off here uh, <laughs> from his days with the Penguins um, but <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll continue on to the New York Rangers. And uh, we haven't had to talk about no movement clause locks in the last couple of cl- uh, clubs here. Uh, the Rangers have four of them, and I don't see any problem with that, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. It's Artemi Panarin, Mika Zabinajad, Chris Kreider, and then Jacob Truba. Uh, I, I don't think any of these guys would be exposed regardless. Um, they're not, none of them are in their 30s yet, they're in their, their late 20s. Panarin carries that huge, you know, about 11.6 million dollar cap hit, but certainly he's been worth it and is probably in consideration for the Hart Trophy this year. I know we mentioned him when we did our article. Um so, no harm no foul for the Rangers here in that group. Things get interesting when I get to the net mining here and for my money, uh I think it's time that they protect uh, Alexander Georgiev here and uh you know, potentially part ways with Henrik Lundqvist. Yes, he has been their franchise netminder for over a decade here. He's racked up, racked up 459 career wins, sits at sixth most all-time, um, and second among active netminders. Um, but I just think he's 38 years old. He'll be 39 by the time uh, that comes up, and he'll be heading into a contract year, too. And so if they let him uh, you know, be exposed in this draft, uh, then you know whether or not to sign him, how you work out the term and the money on that becomes Seattle's problem and, and not the Rangers. So um, I, I do think it's time for for a change there for the Rangers. It'll be a tough one for the faithful there, but uh, you know it's a, it's a decision that needs to be made, I think in terms of the defenseman on top of Truba, uh, I think you absolutely have to keep Anthony D'Angelo, who had a breakout season this year. And then I like Ryan Lindgren uh, for the offensive upside. He's 22 years old, uh, and I would take him over the likes of a Mark Stahl, a Brendan Smith. Um, And so I, I think they go kind of more offensively minded in that group. Among the forwards, in addition to the three protected guys, Panarin, Zbigniewicz, Kreider, Pavel Buchnevich is a lock. Ryan Strom is a lock as well. And then things get a little more interesting in which of kind of a, a rotating group of youngsters you want to keep. And so for me, I went really on the young side here. Guys that I think are going to have a high upside in Philip Cheadle and Lias Anderson. I think those are the two young guys that they build forward with um, in a team that's rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it for them. There are some other options here. Uh, Paul, maybe there's some that you like, but uh, for my money, I went with the two really younger guys, kind of coming into their own, and I think it benefits this team as they move into a more youthful era, in part by – getting rid of uh, Henrik Lundqvist here. So what say you, Paul?
1: Well, first of all with the Lundqvist quandary, I think that's going to be solved this summer or this fall whenever the off-season does take place that uh, New York really has to make a decision there clearly. Georgiev is is got to be ranked ahead of him in terms of a longer term keeper, much younger and he's performed admirably in the opportunities he's had to show his skills. And don't forget, they have another guy they don't have to protect that we saw a little bit of, and that's Igor Shosturkin. That's going to be their goalie tandem for years to come. And uh, really, the King has had his run in, uh, in New York for a long time. He's going to be 39 by the time this expansion rolls around. And there's no way that Seattle's going to have any interest in him at all, playing out the final year of a contract, should he be on the roster at that time. In terms of the way you've laid out the defense, you've left Stahl and Smith exposed in favor of the younger Lindgren and D'Angelo. I'm fine with that, AJ, because D'Angelo certainly has shown an overall game that should make him a top pairing guy here for years to come. Uh, working alongside or in tandem with Jacob Truba as part of the top four here you've got two really good anchors there Ryan Lindgren a pretty good complementary piece to round out that trio you're leaving a lot of guys that are more in the prospect pool range and their contracts reflected as being RFAs that are all less than a million dollars really in terms of the primary other options ahead aside from the two veterans that you highlighted that would be 32 and 34 respectively in Smith and Stahl then we look at the forward ranks and and the guys that you've left off uh, One name jumps out at me, and that's Brendan Lemieux. I think this guy, things haven't really clicked in terms of what I think he's capable of delivering. I think there's a fire inside him that if properly ignited could make him a very key element on a, of a team and he could become a fan favorite if Seattle went on to select him and he really found his groove. I think this guy really has a higher upside than most people speculate but in the in the depth chart of the Rangers I, th- I do think you got it right because uh, I, I think there's some real no-brainers here apart from the no movement clauses that you highlighted. Matt Veleski is an older player who might have some value. Jesper Fast, also a guy that's in his late 20s could be of interest too. But to me, Brendan Lemieux is the guy that if I'm Seattle, I'm uh, taking a hard look at here.
0: All right, so then I'll move on to the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, of course, in my in my opinion, there are no players worth keeping on this team. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's just my uh, personal fandom coming through there. No, um, obviously they they have had a phenomenal season. Um, you know, unfortunately, cut short for them compared to where they have been in the past. Um, and you know, some of that comes from their no movement clause, guys, and Clause Giroux and Kevin Hayes. Now, I've begged on Kevin Hayes during. Uh, you know, certain uh, points of the year. And in, in part, because from a fantasy perspective, what do you want more than anything else? That's normally consistency. And that's been a bit of a problem for him. He had goalless streaks this year of 12, eight, six, and even five games in a row at, at multiple chunks through the year. But I don't necessarily think even those kind of consistency struggles would warrant exposing him if he didn't have the no movement clause here. So both those guys are locks, and I don't think that's a problem for Philadelphia. In the net-minding uh, net situation, I think this might be one of the easiest situations in the entire Metropolitan Division. Um, it's Carter Hart, of course. The Flyers have a franchise number one for the first time in, in decades, honestly. Brian Elliott certainly did uh, you know well when Hart was injured with, with an abdominal injury, but uh, he's certainly not going to be the guy that they protect here. Uh, the blue line gets a little more intriguing and a, and a little more difficult to figure out. I think the only guy uh, for my money that's a clear lock on this blue line is Ivan Provorov. Um, I just think he's the only one that you can say with 100% certainty is the guy that they will go with. Um, I like for my money Travis Sandheim and Philippi Myers uh, as the other two uh, guys that they protect here. That leaves exposed. Matt Niskanen, whose numbers haven't been quite as good as they have in the past. Um, you know, he has previously in, in Washington and, and Pittsburgh before that been kind of a power play contributor, and those numbers just aren't there. Justin Braun, uh, you know, is also in the, the the mid-30s here. And then obviously Shane Bear has been kind of much maligned lately, has struggled at, at points to even get in the lineup. Um, and so I, I think there's really um, – some tough decisions here so from for me i went Provorov, sandheim and myers i'll be interested paul to see who you like there um but i'll dive into the forward complement first in addition to Giroux and hayes uh jacob james van reendyk travis konechny sean couturier and tyler pitlick really for me the choices didn't get difficult until i got down to tyler pitlick here he's the one player um that i i think is the most likely to see his spot here taken over. Uh, a couple names to consider that could factor in there Scott Lawton, Michael Raffle, Nate Thompson. But uh, for me, I think Pidlick is the guy that they'll go with here. Paul, how do you like this Flyers group in terms of uh, protecting?
1: Well, I couldn't have said it any better in terms of the goaltending. You were right. They haven't had a stud in the nets here for an awfully long time. I think I just started shaving when they did that. So and that was a <laughs> few years ago. I'll say that for sure. In terms of the defense, I am kind of curious to to – forecast how seattle might look at shane Gostisbehere. i do think you're right that he has run his course in philadelphia he's now two years removed from an outstanding season uh that i where i thought he was going to be one of the top scoring defensemen year after year still only going to be 28 years old next year would be a lock to be a power play specialist at the very least in a Seattle situation and and certainly not in the class of Sanheim and Provorov that you've protected as well. Philip Myers is an interesting choice. I might uh, flip a coin between him and Robert Hag. not to say that one is especially Uh, more valuable than the other one, but they did have a a good-looking young complement on the defense that included both of these guys, so it'll be a decision between one or the other in my estimation uh, ahead of the rest of the ranks there. In terms of the forwards, you did highlight it's going to be an older core that they would keep because there's no way they're going to let go of Voracek I don't think in this mix, and Couturier certainly factors in. Pitlick is an interesting choice. For me, James Ream-like, Van like might be a guy that they leave exposed because... He has evolved into a guy who ne- doesn't really get more than 14, 15 minutes a game, playing a lot of third-line minutes, and they're paying a $7 million price tag for him. The best days are behind him, and so they might look at, say, look at a guy like a Scott Lawton in place of a James Van Riems, like going a little bit younger in that regard, to go along with the rest of the fellas you named. If, if uh, Oscar Lindblom wasn't dealing with a cancer scare he'd be on this list too but his future is really in jeopardy as well and I don't think that uh, Seattle's interested in a wild card situation like that or even Nolan Patrick who was a former high draft pick that was the subject of a lot of talks on our show uh, with our friend uh, Real Kid Poker there uh, if you're following one of the better follows on the Twitter world of our friend and poker stars Daniel Negreanu of course and so I think there's some head scratchers in the Philadelphia mix more than some of the other teams in this division, AJ. And uh, they will have some some uh, deep thinking to do about uh, who they do leave off, because I think that it's going to be one of the top players that Seattle does pick.
0: All right, so we'll move on. Um, from you know the, the bad to the good here and, and talk about the, the Pittsburgh Penguins here next. So uh, the no-movement clause locks are, are pretty straightforward. They're the three guys that were on the t- 2009 Stanley Cup team. Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, and Chris Letang. Uh, these are three guys that have played in four uh, Stanley Cup finals and they've won three of them. So uh, I don't see any problem with those guys being locked in uh, and not able to go anywhere. Um, Chris Letang's probably the only one that'll drive the Penguins faithful nutty, um, being protected here just because he occasionally drives you nuts on the ice. But certainly, you're not replacing a guy of his caliber. And then uh, for me, it's going to be a bit of deja vu when it comes to the netminding situation here. I think the Penguins go with Tristan Jari. Um, they find themselves, you know, trying to decide between a Stanley Cup winning netminder. Uh, and a young and -and up-and-coming guy and I just think that that Murray uh, his consistency struggles for a team that's in win now mode just don't uh, don't help his case here Uh, I think Tristan Jari has been the more consistent netminder for them uh, when they've when they've needed him most Um, yes he still hasn't really held a a full load but that was the same situation that they were looking at uh, just a couple of years ago when it was Matt Murray or Marc-Andre Fleury and so for me I think they need to go with Jari at, at this point. Um, you know, I don't even know based on who else is available. I don't know that Matt Murray would even be the guy that gets taken. Obviously, it would create uh, some awkward situation to leave him exposed and have him not leave. Um, but certainly, uh, it's a situation that they they have to go with in, in my opinion. In terms of the blue line, I'm going to go Latang and Brian Dumoulin. I think those are locks to be the the two guys that they. Uh, for sure, lock up because they pair so well together on that top pairing. And then for my money, I I think they go Marcus Pedersen as as the third guy. Look, uh, you know the Seattle's not taking Jack Johnson. They they like Jack Johnson and what he offers, and so you know they're they obviously want to keep him, but I don't see Seattle taking him by any stretch of the imagination. And John Marino, they're they're kind of wonderkind uh, from, you know, from, uh, this year is, uh, exempt from selection. So by keeping Pederson, Dumoulin, uh, and, and Latang, you have your top four, essentially. Yes. Justin Schultz, uh, is th- there and available, but, uh, their, their chances of retaining him this summer, I think are pretty low, not to mention that his numbers really haven't been great, uh, kind of since, since coming back from that injury, so I, I think you leave him exposed uh, if he's even on the team at that point. In terms of the uh, forward compliment, I mentioned Malkin Crosby. Uh, and I think this is pretty straightforward the rest of the way. Obviously, Jake Gunsel, Uh You've got Jason Zucker signed through the 2023 season after trading for him. Uh, I think they want to see more of that and what they can get out of him. Brian Rust had a phenomenal year this season. Ah, uh, Jared McCann projects as their top, uh, their third line center, and so I don't think you want to let him walk. And then I know for a fact, listening and reading everything that I've seen about the Penguins, that they love Brandon Tanev's game and what he can offer as as kind of a speedy disruptor. He constantly is drawing penalties um, and letting that top power play unit get on the ice. And so for me, uh, that's the group here. Obviously I talked about Nick Bukestad and them potentially even getting rid of his contract this year. Um, and then, you know, the big name that you're going to see left off this list is Patrick Hornquist. His, he's a a kind of a heart and soul guy, obviously for this team, but he's at a point in his career where his productivity does not really warrant a $5.3 million cap hit. And so I think you leave him exposed in favor of a guy like Brandon Tantive, Brian Rust, a little bit younger, little more uh, you know, uh, speed uh, in the legs still, and, and they, they love Jared McCann too, so they're not letting him go. So um, that's been a pretty extensive breakdown of the Penguins. I, I could talk all day about this club, but Paul <laughs> – Uh, What do you think? Uh, Obviously, the goaltending question is is the biggest one here. What's your call?
1: It is, AJ, but this is also one of the few teams that offers really good options for Seattle at each of the positions of forward defense and goaltending. So I'll quickly agree with you that Tristan Jari is the guy to go with in the Nets to protect. And that leaves Matt Murray as one of the most viable alternatives that Seattle could entertain to be one of their top two goalies. Uh, in that mix going forward. On the defense, you have left off the veterans, uh, Schultz and Johnson, in favor of the youngsters, Pedersen, and relatively younger, uh, Dumoulin. He'll be 29 next year. But they've left. That means you're leaving the likes of Yuso Ricola, uh, John Nyberg, David Worsowski, Zach Trotman, and Chad Ruido. All of them have some utility in terms of uh, where they could fit in in terms of the Seattle mix there so a wealth of options on the blue line here that Pittsburgh will not be able to protect uh, because they have too many forwards that fit into the must keep category you've highlighted all the ones that I would keep as well Hornquist a little bit longer and older in terms of NHL experience would be 34 and that takes him out of consider- consideration Bugstad just can't stay healthy I've got a lot of time for this guy when he is healthy he is a dynamic player and a Big rangy guy with speed, the, just the way I like them, but just can't stay healthy enough to make him a viable alternative. The key name here that you haven't talked about, there's two of them. Connor Sheary is one; he's back for a second tour of duty with with Pittsburgh currently, and a useful piece that sometimes fits into the top six here is a viable alternative for a top six role on Seattle projected team. Zach Aston-Reese is another guy that might fit into that same category, and uh, we saw Anthony. Angelo get a bit of a cameo uh, when the Penguins were injured as uh, banged up a little bit during the season and so Teddy Bluger, they've got a wealth of options here depending on how big uh, Seattle wants to go here in terms of a a High-ranking contract or a lesser one with a prospect upside. So uh, great options in any position in the Pittsburgh mix
0: All right, so we'll dive into our, our last team here um, and the the one uh, at that point in time, the one player on a no movement clause will be Nicholas Backstrom. And that's only because Ovechkin's contract runs up uh, in uh, at the end of the 2021 season right now. Uh, He will absolutely be re-signed before that and almost certainly will have a no-movement clause in there by that point. But in terms of how things shake out right now, it's Nicholas Backstrom is the lone no-movement clause guy here, Um, and I don't see any reason that uh, they they wouldn't keep him anyway. Things get interesting right off the kick uh, with uh, the Washington Capitals in terms of who to pick in the net-minding situation. Uh, It's For me, right now, it's still Braden Holpe. He won your Stanley Cup. He's only 30 years old. Um, Yes, you have Ilya Samsonov waiting in the wings, and he would be a very intriguing uh, kind of future netminder to pick up. Imagine this. You take Henrik Lundqvist from the Rangers as your guy of right now. You take Ilya Samsonov as your netminder of the future. He'll be an RFA when his contract uh, comes up. And so um, it's a really intriguing prospect for Seattle here. But I think uh, as much as Washington probably doesn't want to lose Samsonov, I just don't think the time is right to move on from Braden Hopi especially when you're seeing guys like Fleury and Lundqvist playing into their late 30s. You've got potentially another five to eight really good years left of Braden Holpe and this is a team in win now mode and and will be uh for you know the next five to eight years exactly when you would have him so um it's a tough uh choice there but it I think it has to be Holpe uh for my money on the blue line, uh, John Carlson obviously leads this group and, and will absolutely be protective. Uh, I like Dmitri Orlov and Michael Kempney as the other two guys here. I think Radko Gudis and Nick Jensen uh, and Brendan Dillon, all three of them, kind of offer you the same player, relatively same ages, same cap hits. And so um, really it would be throwing darts at a board in terms of which one of those guys would you would want to protect. I like what Orlov and Kempney can offer alternatively better than those guys in terms of the the forward compliment uh, i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of surprises here it's it's backstrom obviously ovechkin kuznetsov they love tom wilson and everything that he offers they're not going to let him go anywhere lars eller jacob Vrana. and then my one maybe question mark is i i consider tj oshi being left off he'll be 34 years of age at that point he makes 5.75 million against the cap Richard Panic is is a, a nice kind of strong cheaper slightly younger option um, but the fact of the matter is Oshie is still one of the better goal scorers in the league uh, and I really think he can continue to provide a quality value again for a team that continues to be in a win now mode so um, that's how I round out Washington. Paul what say you about that group?
1: Well I can make this quick and say the biggest opportunity for Seattle here is the goaltending mix. If Seattle can get one of these two guys, I think they wouldn't mind. They can close their eyes and say, OK, we'll pick either one. It doesn't matter you get Holtby in his prime still. He did, he's coming off, I'll say this, he's coming off one of his poorer statistical seasons, but he's still in that 30-31 age bracket that does, as you say, suggest that he has uh, at least five or six good years left in it, in the tank. But if Washington does keep him, I think Seattle wastes no time and pivots to Ilya Samsonov. He's just far and away the better option. The, the goaltending situation is far away the better option that for Seattle, based on the landscape that you pick, uh, highlighted, I agree with all the players that you've protected there. Uh, the veteran guys on defense more are the defensive side of the puck. Not too exciting uh, uh, options there, in my opinion. On the forward ranks, Garnet Hathaway might uh, rate with Richard Panic as the best forward option. So when you compare those, those few names against the goaltending opportunities, Seattle will no, look no further than the crease when they're considering Washington's available list.
0: Well, that rounds up the Metropolitan Division here. I will say, um, if you take a look at the picture at the top of that article, there's no surprise that I have a picture of Matt Murray and Henrik Lundqvist shaking hands as I leave both of those guys exposed uh, in the draft here. So kind of uh, tipping my hand there with the picture at the top of the article. But just a reminder that the Atlantic Division article will be up on Rotowire later today. All of these articles, all four of them and next week's article or the week. Yeah, next week's article where I pick the team. All five in the series are free, uh, regardless of whether or not you have a Rotowire subscription. Uh, So you can go to Rotowire. Um, If you've never used the site before, you can go to rotowire.com slash free, F-R-E-E. Sign up for a 10-day free trial and check out the full site um, for 10 days. But you can dive into these articles, no cost needed there. And I would encourage you to interact with us on Twitter or in the comments section uh, on your take for uh, all these series of articles and and who you like and don't like.
1: All right, AJ, with that, we're going to pivot to uh, our continuing series of NHL amateur redrafts going into the 2012 draft. And uh, one proviso that we're going to make right off the top, we already drafted Freddie Anderson in the first time he was in the NHL draft, in the 2010 draft. He was again drafted in 2012 because he wasn't signed by Carolina in that first opportunity i think it was carolina that picked him i may be wrong there but in any case uh, we'll go on and take a look at the 2012 redraft situation and aj it's your turn to go first in what i think is a defense uh defense loaded draft there are a couple of great goalies in the mix too but the forward picking is a little thinner than what we've seen in other drafts i'm curious to know which way you're going to go with your first pick
0: yeah, there's, there's a ton of ways to, to, to break this down. And, and I do think um, it is a defensive-heavy group. And, and I'm going to you know pull your heart out, Paul, and, and take <laughs> Morgan Riley with the first overall pick. He went fifth overall to Toronto that year in that draft class. I think if you were doing a, a redraft of, of that class as a whole, um, I think he would go first overall um, to Edmonton. So uh, for me, it's Morgan Riley. 54 goals, uh, 216 helpers uh, in his career. And I think he's, while it is a deep defensive class, I think he's uh, a step above the rest of the group here. And I, and I had to snatch him up right away.
1: Well, you knew I was going to go in that direction too. So that was more of a defensive defenseman pick, if I, if I can say <laughs> that, AJ. And, and you know what? A neat story about that draft is when, when it took place and it was reviewed the day of, Brian Burke, the Leafs GM, said, I just picked the best player in this draft. I know I did. And this is one time where that guy was right. Uh, he, ma- <laughs> he made a few errors when he was managing this club uh, in Toronto, but this one he got right. And Morgan Riley, if it weren't for John Tavares, would be the captain of the Maple Leafs. That's how the high esteem that I hold him in. A guy that can play at both ends of the ice. He's a minute eater. He plays on the power of play. He can play shorthanded. Faces the other team's top players and was the only guy that scored 20 goals from the defense position. Uh, not this p- past season, but the one prior very good offensive upside as well going forward in his prime and uh, they're going to lock him up to a big deal in the very near future Uh, I'm going to counter I'm going to go to the forward ranks to pick uh, the guy that statistically ranks as the top scoring forward I'll say uh, in the draft uh, of that year and that's Philip Forsberg was picked by the Washington Capitals is playing now for the Nashville Predators and has amassed 353 points in 458 games he was 11th overall in the draft I'm taking him number two
0: I think that's a great pick, Paul. How in the world that guy never played a single game for the Washington Capitals and they, why they traded him away, I will never, never understand that because he has been a phenomenal player throughout his career for the Nashville Predators and, and a great pick for you uh, there. I'm going to actually stick with defenseman. You mentioned that this isn't the deepest forward group, um, and so I will take – a really get myself a top set of blue liners here and I'll go Jacob Truva who went ninth overall to Winnipeg uh, currently with the Rangers another kind of offensive guy uh, if I'm if I'm building a team I've got my one two power play quarterbacks right there um, and I'm good to go in that sense so I will go uh, stick with defense which is very different from our approaches in in the previous three iterations of this I don't think either of us has gone quite so d heavy in in either of those situations but uh i just i love this d group and so uh jacob trubo with my second pick here
1: i like that pick a lot aj and uh i i had a feeling you might go defense heavy at the top end and I think there's still enough guys that I could cobble together a pretty good defensive complement I'm trusting that you're going to have to switch to look for the forward ranks sooner rather than later but I'm going to snatch up another I'm guy I'm going
0: all blue liners Paul I'm yeah. going to fill out all my picks with defense
1: <laughs> well okay I'm going to I'm going to stick with the flashy European forward uh, forward possibilities here uh, that exist in this draft and I'm gonna go with Toivo Terevanen, a guy who came out of Jokerit uh, Helsinki in Finland and has climbed to the top six forward position in uh, Carolina has 289 points in 428 games. I think he's going to be a, that th- a guy that threatens the point of game plateau for years to come. And I like my uh, flashy forward uh, dynamic duo so far. So you went with two offensive minded defensemen who have a good defensive side of the game too. So uh, it's pretty one dimensional uh, options that we're looking at so far. Well, I won't, shouldn't say one dimensional. They're overall talents, but you focus on defense i'm for- focusing
0: on forward which one of us is going to crack that uh, trend well i'm i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with the net mining here and uh, i think once they uh issue the awards this season you'll be picking between two vesna trophy winners here uh in either Connor heli or andre vasileski and I'll, I'll i'll pull the trigger first and i'm gonna go with andre vasileski as as the number one i imagine that heli will be your choice at some point here, um, but I just think Vasilevsky has just a slightly better um, consistency in terms of, of what he's done on the ice. He went 19th overall uh, in that draft to Tampa Bay, uh, and I expect him to be one of the top netminders and perennial Vesna Trophy candidates, uh, you know, for the next decade or uh, or so.
1: Yeah, I can't quarrel with that pick at all, AJ. I think it's a fine choice. But as you said, uh, Hallibuck's going to be there for me. And uh, even Matt Murray could factor in the mix. Uh, There's there's a couple of options to go for. I'm going to go to the defense ranks, though, and not going to pick the next guy that you might have thought. I'm going to go down to a third-round pick who was 86th overall. I love this guy's size. I love his shot. He's got... uh, skill at both ends of the ice uh stanley cup champion the colton pareko is my next pick
0: fair enough fair enough paul uh and i definitely i definitely like uh you know his game as well i, I guess i'll take a forward at this point um <laughs> so for me uh i'm gonna go with tomas Hertl. uh i think you know he's just one of the top producers here went 17th overall to san jose um you know, I think he's been mostly used as, as a winger there, but he, he did come into the league as a center. And so I think he could be utilized in that role um, if needed. They just have never needed him as a center in, in San Jose with, you know, the rare exception of an injury here or there. So uh, Tomas Hurdle for me.
1: I'm going to counter with the the NHL's unicorn as my next pick, and that is Tom Wilson, a guy who started out as a fourth-line player on the Washington Capitals but has emerged as a front-liner and on, on merit. The guy's been a hard-working guy to change up his game a little bit, and uh, not only is I, his, he, I think one of the most feared players on the ice but he's a pretty good skill player too so quite happy to have him in the mix and uh, have him look over at your bench and tell all your players don't try anything sneaky with our top European guys because I'll come over and break your face
0: (laughs) well Paul you probably could have waited till you know the last pick in the draft because you know I'm not taking Tom Wilson that's just (laughs) just a given here Um, so yeah for my next pick you know there's just oh man I really want to take some more defensemen because there's just so (laughs) many so many quality defensemen here but um, I will stick with Fords look uh, much maligned in in previous stops and just didn't figure it out in Pittsburgh but for my money Alex Galchenyuk is still a top player in this league you look at this uh, draft class uh, by games played he's played in more games than anybody else Uh, at 549 went third overall for Montreal I think if you were doing a redraft he would drop a little but I think he's still a first round pick based on what he's done in the league so I'll take Alex Galchenyuk uh, as my next uh, my next option
1: okay I'm gonna switch back up to the defense cores and uh, uh, you know like you said there's still a lot of great picks here uh, when you look at the list and I'm gonna take Uh, look at Minnesota's player. There's a lot of talk around this guy, uh, not yet showing the best of his game. He was drafted seventh overall by Minnesota, has amassed 174 points and 411 games, and uh, is destined for better days, I do think, than even what he's shown today. Of course, I'm talking about Matt Dumba here, AJ, so I'm quite happy to get him in the fold with my pick at this stage in the draft, the fifth one.
0: Well, I'll round out my first line with uh Tivo Terevanen, who uh went 18th overall I to picked Chicago. Him, buddy. I picked him. Oh, you did take him. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, oh boy, do I do it? Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, another option late round pick, uh, you know, maybe not the most offensively gifted, but six round pick, 156 overall oh. to your Maple Leafs. Connor Brown, uh, 59 goals, 83 helpers. Uh, in his career yes more of a, a plugger here but uh, you know really I think he, he has started to hit his stride offensively especially with uh, you know the move to Ottawa kind of freed him up uh, was always a 20 maybe 30 point guy for Toronto but was able to hit that 43 point uh, mark this season
1: I love that pick AJ if I could pick a, a team of 20 guys like Connor Brown they'd be so much fun to watch uh, I know they'd be hardworking. Play hard at both ends of the ice and give me 20 goals a year. So that'd be quite a roster, a consistent-looking roster with no superstars, but one that would be very difficult to play against. I love that choice by you at this stage in the draft. I'm going to counter that by going for for a total skill opportunity guy, and that's Andreas Athanasiou. He is a guy who I think is going to light it up in Edmonton going forward. He uh, did get a chance for a lot of ice time in Detroit, but that team is in a major rebuild and. Uh, He's on a fast track to a much better opportunity, uh, with the chance to light things up as a top six guy, a power play guy, uh, in the Edmonton mix. So I'm quite happy to get him at this stage.
0: All right, so uh, I'm going to stick with some forwards. I, I was really hoping maybe uh, double A there would would slide under the radar for you, um, but obviously that that didn't happen. Uh, one player who is just starting to come into the league, but I think uh, can really find a find a place. Again, I, I, apparently I'm taking all the Maple Leafs here, but I'm going to take Alex Kerfoot. He went fifth overall uh, to New Jersey. Uh, never really played much for them, if at all. I'd Double check here. Um, no, he did not end up playing for New Jersey at all. He uh, played with Colorado and then this last year in Toronto. His production went down, but that's to be expected when you're, you know, kind of bumped down the lines in in that star-studded group that they have uh, in Toronto there. Um, But I still think he's a 30 to 40 point producer every year and and a solid addition.
1: And uh, I'm going to go with Chris Tierney as my next pick AJ. He was picked by San Jose in the second round 55th overall but in Ottawa he's going to get a chance for a top six role here going forward and I think he's going to emerge as a pretty good playmaking center. A guy that might be a really nice third line center when his career is said and done. Uh, Very good choice for me at this stage in the draft. I'm quite happy to grab him there.
0: All right so I will go with uh, Tanner Pearson. 108 goals, 107 assists this year. Um, drafted 30th overall by the Kings. Uh, you know, kind of a guy that overall flies under the radar, and, and partially because the Kings have been so bad this year. But um, even before that, just kind of goes in, does his job, uh, and really uh, kind of, as I said, not not a big name guy, um, but uh 45 points with uh vancouver this year and that gets back to you know he had that weird season in 2018-19 where he was with the kings and then he was with the penguins and then vancouver kind of got moved around a whole bunch so um you know with kind of settling back in being at one team he was able to get back to being a, a 40 point guy
1: AJ, I'm going to counter with another defenseman uh, highlighting the depth of this draft that we're picking so many of them today and I'm going to go with Carolina's Jacob Slavin. I think this guy's a solid guy in a top four over there and he'd be a solid guy in my top four Uh, even if we were drafting more than one year. I think I'd still find a way to put Slavin in the mix there. I do think he has an upside that we haven't seen yet and he's already amassed 151 points in 377 games. That's just shy of about a 40, 40 points per season pace. Quite, uh, quite reasonable to expect that to continue, and then some going forward.
0: Well, I have to to give a nod to a University of Wisconsin guy with my next uh, my next pick. Uh, Jake McCabe went uh, 44th overall to Buffalo in the second round there a bit more of a a defensively minded guy again kind of flown under the radar just because Buffalo haven't been uh, a a top tier club but uh, he can contribute uh, in some offensive role it's not the key to his game um, but you know more of a shutdown defender and I really don't have Uh, a a guy that focuses more on the shutdown side, you know, having Trouba and Morgan Riley, not that those guys can't play defense, but they're more offensively minded. So I'll go uh, with the university of Wisconsin, go Badgers, uh, Jake McCabe. All right. I'm going to, give you a bit of a break here I'm going to take Connor Hallibuck right
1: now uh, to give you a a little more room to operate with your (laughs) last pick AJ I'm quite uh, pleased to get him in the mix he was a cornerstone to a lot of teams that I had in fantasy last year in terms of season long and uh, was it was going to be my pick for the goalie of the year, the Vesna Trophy winner this past season. I know it's between him and Vasilevsky, in my opinion, and I think you'll agree. But uh, overall numbers and what he meant to that team, I don't think any goalie in the league has meant more to his team in this past season. And I think Hellebuck has really emerged as one of the elite goalies in the league and uh, no longer will it be underrated.
0: All right, so I had I had a tough tough choice for my last pick here, and and uh, I honestly considered Nail Yakupov, who has been one of the most maligned first overall picks, and rightly so. For a first overall pick, his numbers are not great, uh, 136 points in 350 games, but he's still pretty high up there if you look at this class in terms of overall points top. Uh, probably top 20 just eyeballing it real quick maybe even top 15 Um, but I think instead I'm gonna go with Josh Anderson uh, for Columbus went in the fourth round 95th overall 267 games played 65 goals 50 helpers uh, and another guy that's kind of just hitting uh, his stride a little bit here and and kind of finding it I I did really consider Yakupov uh, for this last pick but uh, I'm gonna go a little bit safer <laughs> uh, and go with Josh Anderson. Paul, what about you? Now, I Yakupov is the last pick. No
1: way, but I'm going to pick <laughs> an, a, a countryman, I'll say, of his and a guy that may have slipped through the cracks here uh, now that I look at him. He played his first NHL season last year, despite the fact that he was drafted in the seventh round of this particular draft, 202nd overall, was leading scorer in the KHL the year before he jumped over to the NHL into the New Jersey Devils organization. Nikita Gusev is a guy, I think, who proved himself as a capable scorer on this side of the pond with 44 points in 66 games last year and i'll gladly take him with my last pick in this particular draft aj i think uh, you know While i'll give you the first one i think i took last week's this one might be the closest draft that we had in terms of i think uh me having difficulty saying which one of us has the better team on first blush i might leave it to our listeners to break that tie but uh, those are my impressions today i think we both did a pretty good job and uh i think you were hamstrung by picking the the the, the goalie earlier than i did give me a little bit of latitude to build up an offense but uh, defense was the name of the game in this draft and i think we both did very well there
0: yeah i mean i definitely think this is the closest of the three though i would uh contend that i don't think you beat me last week in the 2011 <laughs> group but you know say, say what you will about about our, our draft choices there um but again i i do think it it continues to kind of uh show our different uh, perspectives on on the game I, you know the fact that you took a guy like tom wilson um you know who's a a, a different type of player than some of uh you know, today's, you know, uh, and, uh, you know a Tomas Hartle, a, a kind of speedier skill guy, and uh, both have places in the league and, and benefits to them. And I think it just speaks to how, uh, you know, how we each see the game a, a little bit differently, which is great for, for our show and for having uh, these discussions.
1: It just leads me to think, AJ, that people can have a lot of fun while there's not being any games being played. Certainly the two topics that we've come up with, uh, in terms of the Seattle redraft and then uh, the Seattle expansion draft and then the redraft of prior drafts, you can get together with buddies and uh, have your, your access to these lists and have a redraft and then tally the points that they've accumulated. That could be a really I- neat instant pool kind of concept that, uh, that might take a hold. Uh, I, I could see that being a popular game that you can play with your buddies uh, during, during these pandemic times if you can go online uh, together with one another.
0: Yeah, it's certainly an an intriguing option. Uh, I think you'd have to figure out a way to, um, you know, incentivize defensemen in in some way so yeah. that it wasn't just, you know, what you don't want, right? Is you don't want the draft to just be you and your buddies going down the point total list, right? So, um, you know, make some requirements for for wingers versus centers, and and obviously uh, maybe incentivize d you know defensive goals slightly higher. There, there's something there, Paul. I I, I like what you're
1: selling. Good. We might build on that down the road, AJ. But uh, for, for today, that wraps up another episode of podcast. I thank you for your contribution as usual, and I thank our listeners for tuning in and getting their hockey fix here. Uh, a reminder to follow us on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into to PuckCast to get our tips, to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research, and to have some fun during these times when we're all isolated from one another. So long, everybody. Come back next week and listen to the final round of uh, our Seattle expansion draft and uh, the 2013 NHL Redraft.